It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are It is a gorgeous Tuesday, and the Sports Rush taking you home. Your daily local sports fix, four to six. I am Brett Rump, and I'm Wendy of the Producers Chair. You're always connected. Questions, comments, and suggestions, fire away. Love to hear from you on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Big hour on the way. Kent Sterling will join us about 15 minutes from now. Also coming up, we'll talk about the big night happening tonight in Los Angeles. No, it's not the Grammys, not the Academy Awards. Certainly none of those things. But it's going to be the same type of uh, crazy atmosphere because we could have a new all-time scoring champ in the NBA. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means coming up later in this hour. Uh, tomorrow, you can actually hang with us while we do the show because we're taking the show on the road. A chance to get out of the studio, come out. Hopefully, we will see you. We more than uh, encourage you to come out to Christopher James Menswear at Covington Plaza. We'll be camped out there doing the show from 4 to 6. Adam and I will both be there. We'll also have live guests on hand, including Tincast President Mike Nutter, uh, Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Kaufman. That is tomorrow here on the Sports Rush live from Christopher James Menswear. That's in Covington Plaza at the corner of Jefferson and Getz. All right, time to play some Tuesday time capsule trivia. We're going with caller number two. Caller number two, because we, you know, the the uh, quick triggers, I got to I gotta eliminate them. So the quick triggers are out. It's caller number two at 447-8500. Because, you know, there's certain people that just keep getting in because they know as soon as I take a breath, they're ready to call the number. And so caller number two, 447-8500. You can play today's edition of Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia with a chance to pick up a large pizza from Pizza Hut. And uh, I think we've got someone calling in right now. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, get things set up and find out who we have got ready to play some Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia today. Who's on the line? Sean. Hey, Sean, how are you? I think you've played before, haven't you? Yes, I have. Gosh, people keep getting in. Uh, we got maybe... I, it was, it was, I just thought, I was like, oh, we're going to call. <laughs> <And he answered. laughs> I'm like, we're going we're gonna to mix this up somehow and, and twist this so that uh, the same people don't keep playing. We'll have to do you know, three next well, time. Well, just quite honestly, Adam, I'm getting tired of beating the same people. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, hey, Sean, uh, you know how the game works, obviously, then. Yes, I do. All right, let's go ahead, Adam. It's let's get started. Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia on the Sports Rush. All right. I went with the theme of winning today. So we're going to start off with clue number one here. 
The Michigan Panthers win the United States Football League Championship 24-22 over the Philadelphia Stars. Okay, Sean, you know how the rules work. You get a chance to play or pass on clue number one. I'm going to pass on this one. I will say 1985. Your turn, Sean. 92, 1992. All right, let's go into clue number two, the next win. Roberto Duran wins his third world title, knocking out WBA World Junior Middleweight Champion Davey Moore in eight rounds. John, you get to go first on this one. 1987. I will, uh, I still think we're in the neighborhood. I'm going to go 1986. We're getting there. Yep. Clue number three. This is going to be Brett first. In the Stanley Cup of this year, the New York Islanders won four to nothing over the Edmonton Oilers. Well, we are just simply working our way through the '80s, like the spinners. I just keep working my way back to you, babe. Uh, and you said it's my turn, right? I get to go first. Oh man, I, if I get this right, Sean broke the rule. <laughs> he let me go first in round one, and now here I am, round three. I'll take 1988. Oh. <laughs> Better filter my microphone. All right, Sean, go ahead. Give us your best shot. 1989. I knew it now. Let's go on to clue number four. <laughs> filter Sean's mic while you're at it, too. This All is right. clue number four. This will be Sean first. The Penn State Nittany Lions won 27-23 to over the Georgia Bulldogs to win the College Football National Championship. Was this, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember this is the Herschel Walker. I, it's Sean first. No. Oh, okay. It's Sean. I don't give a... 1985. Oh, Sean. Pay attention. I, that was my first guess, Sean. Oh, because you said it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So, staying true to our uh, all 80s guesses yeah. today, I will go 1984. Oh. <laughs> All right, are we down to our last clue? Yes, we are. All righty. The World Series of this year. The By la- the way, I just got to ask, have we got the text yet telling a, telling the, I the haven't texter, checked. The texter that always tells us, turn this game off. You guys are dumb. <laughs> yeah. We get a text usually if we don't get it in the first three or four. Yeah. Last clue here. The World Series of this year, the Baltimore Orioles win their most recent World Series, four games to one, over the Philadelphia Phillies. Do I get to go first? Yes, you do. 1983. I knew it. Yeah, the final clue gave it away. Ah, yes, sir. And and guess who paid the price of letting me go first? Sean. Hey, at least I was in the same decade. Yeah, we well, we were covering the 80s. Yeah, you guys you did well. You were not going to get away with a 1980s uh, <laughs> right? uh, answer in there. Uh, Sean, it's been a lot of fun playing with you. Uh, hang on the line so Adam can get some info that he's going to need to get you your pizza coupon. Copy that. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, it, uh, 19, what did I say? 1983. Yes, sir. Uh, today's answer on Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Hey, don't forget, tomorrow's the day. Four to six will be at Christopher James Menswear, Covington Plaza. It is their super sale. This is a big time clearance of winter fashions, and you can come in and save 50 to 75% off. 
Not only that, but you get to hang out with the Sports Rush. We'll be there broadcasting live from 4 to 6 tomorrow, and the sale lasts until Saturday. Uh, all the great suits, sports coats, pants, denim, sportswear, shoes, and more will be 50 to 75% off. Great time to get an update to your wardrobe. Maybe you've been thinking about getting that one nice suit that you can put on for special occasions. Perfect time right now at Christopher James Menswear's Super Sale. Canali, Meyer, Peter Millar, Johnny O. Magnani, and more. 50 to 75% off. That's Christopher James. Tomorrow, you can join us from 4 to 6. It is the Super Sale where style and service are always in fashion. Christopher James Menswear in Covington Plaza at the corner of West Jefferson and Getz. Back on the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. And if I haven't mentioned it before, let me mention it one more time now, that our favorite guest is joining the program right now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Out of Indianapolis, host of Breakfast with Kent, and uh, I think it's Inside Indiana Sports, or let's get an instant reaction, or let's see Kent streak down the street. I don't know. There's a lot of videos out there. Kent Sterling. Kent, how's it going today? Brett, I am humbled to join you this <laughs> afternoon. It's my favorite talk host. i got to tell you what a pleasure it is to be on your show. Oh, man, hold on. It's getting deep. i got to... I got it. <laughs> and, uh, let's let's go back to Saturday. Uh, it was the much hyped, much anticipated rivalry matchup with the Purdue Boilermakers, number one in the country, coming into Assembly Hall. I am not at all surprised with the outcome. I was surprised at just how well Indiana played in the first half how they came out and really dominated a team and almost exposed Purdue like no one has exposed them this season. I, I thought it was really interesting. That was a terrific first half, and in particular the last minute of the first half. After Lawyer hits the three-pointer to cut it to 11, you felt like, oh boy, if this thing gets to nine or to seven, maybe Indiana's going to be in trouble, but they bounce back and Trace hits a couple of uh, foul shots. And then Malik Renew, of all people, gets a steal toward the end of the half, hits Caleb Banks, and he flushes it, and Indiana goes into the locker room up 50-35. That was really, really good. And I haven't seen Indiana's guards defend like that all season long. They really put pressure on Lawyer and on Braden Smith, and those are two freshmen who had not been in that situation before. And it, it takes some time to figure out how to play in a game where the crowd is just that amped up. And and so I thought it was a learning experience for Purdue, and I think they're going to benefit from it down the road. But it really played into the hands of the Hoosiers on Saturday. I just thought of something as you were you were re- uh, recollecting, recollecting the first half. I thought about this. It, isn't it human nature that when you get to the, like the last two or three minutes of the half, everybody calculates in their mind what the number needs to be? Like it's 11, and yeah. you're thinking, oh, if it's 7, they're in trouble. But if it's 15, I feel really good. And then it gets to halftime, it's 15, and you still don't feel safe. But that's kind of normal. You do that too, right? Oh, always. Always. You've got to and, – and it all goes back for me, and, and this goes back only the uh, the old heads – are going to understand this relate, but it goes back to Al McGuire, where Al McGuire said, here are the three ways you get back into the game, the three thresholds. You've got to get it under 14, then you've got to get it under 10, and then you've got to get it under 7. And he said this again and again and again and again to the point where I think it's stuck. And so I do see those as the benchmarks as you try to come back from kind of a deep uh, deep deficit. You, you've got to cross those thresholds 
and and if if you do it quickly, you're in real good shape. If you go in at halftime down 15, it's really hard, and, and you know this too, really, really hard to put forth the effort necessary to come back from 15 yeah, down. Yeah, it, it, You get tired toward the end of that, and I think that's what happened with Purdue. Yeah, exactly. I make that point quite often that playing extended minutes with big deficits when you're always fighting your way back is much more physically draining. And so if a game happens to go like an overtime where a team has made a 12 to 14 point comeback, that team may be in trouble if it goes extra session. But at halftime, and credit to Matt Painter, what a terrific coach, because at halftime, I think he reminded Purdue exactly what their identity was. Their identity is Zach Eady, and they went to him, they fed the monster, and it worked out yeah. pretty well in that second half. You know, 33-18 and 18 kind of speaks for itself. And there, there are two ways, and we talk about this in football a lot, there are two ways to, to kind of defend a team with a great player. And you see Bill Belichick do one all the time, where he's got uh, he's going up against an elite-level wide receiver. What he'll do is take his best cornerback, and he'll put that guy on the opposite wide receiver, and then he'll take two guys to go ahead and bracket the elite-level wide receiver. You can either do that, or you can, you can uh, and, and let the elite guy work those two if he can. You can either do that or you you kind of uh you go at that top guy with your top player and I thought what Indiana did was you know what if he catches it inside that 6 foot radius it's going to be a bucket let's not make it worse by fouling him let let's let this guy get his buckets and know that it's going to be really hard for him to get enough to put him over the top if they're going to do it two at a time that's going to be difficult. I think they need to do it three at a time. So if we can keep Smith and Morton and Lawyer from burying it, or Mason Gillis, goodness, coming off that game where he had nine at back, nine <laughs> threes. You know, if, if we can get those guys kind of out of the offense because they're working it through Edie, I think that works for us. And that's what Indiana did, and that's what Indiana won with. Jalen Hood Shafino had another solid game. He's had some hot and cold moments this year. But with Xavier Johnson getting closer to making it back into the lineup, what does Indiana do? You've got multiple options that you can go to here when you bring back Xavier yeah. Johnson. What are you expecting Mike Woodson to do? I think that Mike Woodson is going to be a guy who is not going to argue with winning. You know, if the combination of Jalen hood Shafino and, and Trey Galloway and Miller Cop at the 1, 2, and 3 – is getting the job done, I think he's going to bring Xavier Johnson off the bench. I don't think he's going to mess with with a chemistry that has led Indiana to some success, especially over the last six, seven games. I don't see Xavier Johnson, because Xavier Johnson is kind of a weird cat. Defensively, he's terrific. Really good, hardworking guy. He's kind of long. He's athletic. He really works hard on the defensive end. But offensively, he is so ball-dominant that what has become a really functional uh, kind of Indiana offense in terms of hitting threes, getting to the bucket, working it to Trace Jackson Davis, they're a really balanced group of guys. And and if he comes back and he kind of returns as the Xavier Johnson that he was prior to his injury, this is going to be an entirely different offense, and I don't think it's a better offense. So I would have... 
I'd have some difficulty starting Xavier Johnson, and I think that that's the way Woodson's going to see it. I don't know if this is just an indictment on Xavier Johnson, but I want to get your impression. Does Trace Jackson Davis get more touches without Xavier Johnson on the floor? It just seems like he's getting the ball a little more often in his hands in the half court. I think so, and and I think it's better for Miller Cop. I think it's better for Hood Shafino, and I think in in terms of potential, certainly. And then reality, current reality, I think that Jalen Hood Shafino is a better offensive player than Xavier Johnson, and I don't think it's necessarily too close. I know that Mike Woodson values defense over all else, but I don't think that the upgrade of Xavier Johnson as a defensive player mitigates the offensive kind of struggles I think his presence would provide. Mm-hmm. Ken Sterling joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. And, uh, you know, Kent, probably a couple of the worst things that could happen to IU happening, and one is a short turnaround based on what the Big Ten schedule is this week. Yeah. And number two, it's Rutgers, a team that Indiana has struggled with. Uh, and it would be such a typical Indiana thing to do to come out and not play well against Rutgers. You know, the last time Indiana beat Rutgers, Romeo Langford scored 20 points. <laughs> That's how long it's been. It's been a while since Indiana beat Rutgers. Uh, and Juwan Morgan had 25-7 and seven that night that Indiana beat Rutgers last. Rutgers plays tough. Tough guy, blue collar, put a helmet on kind of basketball. That's what Steve Peichel recruits to. That's what, what he coaches. And that's what I think Indiana is going to get tonight. And being tougher than Purdue on Saturday, given the kind of hysteria of that crowd, I think that tonight they're they're going to have trouble rising to that level. And I think that this is exactly the wrong opponent for IU coming off that win against uh, Purdue just three days ago. I think that this is ex- just precisely the wrong team in the Big Ten to play following that kind of game. Yeah, you've got length on the perimeter uh, with Rutgers, which can cause some uh, resistance uh, with three-point shots. But also, because of Amore, he's one of those guys inside that is long and somewhat athletic, which uh, Trace Jackson Davis can kind of beat on a quick bounce and a quick left-right move. He can kind of beat a guy that has some stationary feet like Edie at times. But this is a tough matchup for TJD tonight, too. Yeah. Well, he fouled out last time these two teams played. The good thing compared to the game that Rutgers and Indiana played back on December 3rd is that Jalen hood Shafino didn't play. So so you've got that kind of addition, but you also subtract (laughs) Xavier Johnson. And then, like you said, Trace Jackson Davis, this is just a bad matchup for him potentially, and it's a bad matchup for the other bigs who like to think that they're going to be able to get the ball over the top of people. Mm-hmm. And and they're just not able to against a team like Rutgers, whether it's Race Thompson or Malik Renew. Those guys, they get it down low on the, on the short block and try to put it up off the glass, and it you know it winds up getting blocked about eight times out of ten. This isn't a great matchup for them. I, I think that the thing that could carry IU is good shooting. If they can shoot the ball well, if they get cop and Galley hitting 50% from beyond the arc is one of the more freakish leaps of improvement in, in distance shooting maybe I've ever seen. Hood Shafino can hit from deep. If they get rolling from the outside a little bit, you know, they're like 20th in three-point shooting, hitting 
I, they don't take a lot of threes, though. Rutgers doesn't take a lot of threes either. I don't, I don't really understand. Maybe they're just judicious enough that they hit a whole bunch of, of their shots percentage-wise, and they don't take – it seems they don't take enough of them because they're like 341st in the country in, in percentage of shots being taken from beyond the arc. I just sort of don't get that. I'd like to see them shoot it more from deep. Maybe they will tonight, and maybe that kind of lifts them. Ken Sterling joining us, and Kent, uh, I don't know if Chris Ballard has some kind of a weekly bonus for a number of candidates still in the pipeline <laughs> for the Colts head coaching job, but it sure seems like this is not getting filtered down very quickly. Everybody that came in for a second interview, it seems, is getting invited back for a third unless they've gone and taken another job. Where is this process going? Is there? Do we have any clues as to the direction that the Colts are looking right now? I don't think so. I, uh, one thing that I do think is interesting is that the Colts are uh, refusing the requests of other teams to interview Gus Bradley. <laughs> and I would think that if they were going to bring in a defensive coordinator, and I think still four of the finalists, three or four, I can't, I forget who's gotten jobs so far as, as the Colts have kind of waited uh, to lock this down. But I, I know Evero got a job as the defensive coordinator uh with Carolina working for Frank Reich and and you've got others who are kind of skipping out but I I think given that Gus is being it would seem to be retained as a defensive coordinator I'm guessing that they're going to go on the offensive side of the ball that could be wrong I'm I, I'm looking at this logically and I think that this process has proven that logic has kind of taken a holiday on West 56th Street in Indianapolis but I think they're going to go either Steichen or they're going to go with uh, uh, Callahan, and and we'll see which side they like. You, you got to me. You got to take an offensive coordinator. Everybody's an offensive coordinator. You look late in the playoffs last year, this year. They're all offensive coordinators who are now head coaches. I don't know how you could justify going after a defensive coach. But again, you know what? I'm I'm kind of I'm presupposing that logic is going to be a factor in this in this search. And I'm not sure that logic really has any place in it, given that Jim Irsay is going to make the final decision. Isn't it somewhat unfair to Jeff Saturday to keep him this long in the process if they're not going to hire him? Yeah, but I don't think that's even a concern. I don't think that that enters the consciousness of uh, of Chris Ballard or of Jim Irsay. And, and you know what? I don't think that... First of all, Jeff Saturday wouldn't be up for any other job. There's no way another team would look at Jeff Saturday and say, that is our next head coach. And I don't think that Jeff Saturday wants to entertain invitations to become an offensive line coach, and that would likely be where he would be hired to if he was going to take a job in the NFL. I, I think he goes back to Bristol after this is all over if he's not the guy who winds up being the choice of, of Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard. He's still being paid as a head coach right now? That's a great question. I, I, I would assume so, but I don't know that. I, I do know this, that the Colts have a history, and this goes back a long way, but uh, Rick Venturi was a, an interim coach, and Rick Venturi got a nice consolation prize when he was not retained as the head coach a, after he filled in. And, and so you, you do get some walk, you, you, kind of some muster pay. <laughs> you get that walking away check that isn't altogether too bad. 
And I'm sure that Jim Irsay will take good care of Jeff Saturday. And whether it's to buy his silence about what this, this experience has been like, which isn't a bad investment, to tell you the truth, or whether it's just, you know, Jim being a nice guy and saying, Jeff, we love you, you know, here's a couple million bucks. I'm not sure whether he's, he's still cashing head coach checks. <laughs> I would guess that he is. I know that coaches are paid on a regular basis and not like players get game checks. Coaches don't get game checks. They they work throughout the year, so they get paid throughout the year. But I don't know whether his contract expired on January 9th or whether it continues in perpetuity until the new guy's named. Yeah, it's got to be awkward going to meetings as the interim guy while there's eight guys knocking on the door coming in for interviews. And you- <laughs> uh, but, uh, hey, real quick, Kent, before I let you go, Tom Brady, is this for real? Is he actually retired? I, I think so. I mean, you know, they didn't have a winning record this year. They didn't win in the playoffs. It doesn't seem like it's an organization necessarily going in the right direction. I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. He's 45. At some point, you say, you know what, this, this, I'm all done. And and I thought the way he did it, you know, I thought that was fine, sitting on the beach and saying, you know, this is this is it this time. I, I'm done with this thing. Um I, I do think that taking a year in order to figure out how to be a game analyst for Fox, I, I do think that that's that's putting a lot more uh, putting a lot more work into that process than is absolutely necessary. I think Tom Brady's job is to be Tom Brady and not bring some level of you know uh, football analysis that we've never heard before. I think Brady's going to be fine at it. He's going to show up, and people are going to say, oh, look, Tom Brady, just like they do with Tony Romo, just like they do with Chris Collinsworth, just like they do with Troy Aikman. He's going to be that next guy, and and good for him. But I, I do I, – I hope it's over for him. But, but, you know, I, 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 he went out kind of on a high note for me, just like in, in some ways Joe Montana did with the Chiefs. Took him to the playoffs. They didn't get to the championship. But you know what? He, he went out on his sword, and he played good football in the end, and I think that counts for some. The uh, the Tom Brady saga. But you know what, Kent? That's a perfect story to say I'm going to do my prep so I'm fully prepared for that job. Because if he wanted to get a year off, and who wouldn't want a year off after uh, 50, or after <laughs> all the years of football and, and uh, all the money he's got? And it's perfect. You sign the contract, so the job's lined up for you, and you still get your year off because you say the right thing. I'm going to take it to prep, is what he's told the uh, the public and everybody's buying. Hey, Kent, uh, appreciate you as always. Uh, have a great week. Best, Enjoy you. the game tonight. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. See you. Yep, that's Kent Sterling. You can find him at KentSterling.com. You can follow him on social media channels. Check out his YouTube channel. Uh, great stuff always from Kent Sterling. We'll take a break. We'll come back. It is the Sports Rush. Oh, tonight, special night out in Los Angeles. We'll tell you about it when we return right here on the Sports Rush at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. We've got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862-46862. Of course, tonight could be the night, Adam. Get ready. There could be the big party out in Los Angeles because it is LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers back home where I think probably fittingly he wanted to set this record. The all-time NBA scoring mark 
as the Lakers take on the Pelicans. Pelicans will be a tired basketball team because they played last night against the Warriors and uh, had to chase Clay Thompson around 140-some points. 141, I think, Golden State scored last night on the Pelicans. So there is a good chance the LeBron James gets the 36 points he needs to become the all-time NBA scoring champ. Now, does this make him the undisputed goat? Does this does this put a end to the discussion, or does this add fuel to the debate as far as whether LeBron James is the greatest of all time in NBA basketball? Of course. Now, I'm going to take one person out of this because very few of us that are listening to this program, and I include myself, because even though he did play a couple of years while I was alive, I don't remember ever seeing him play. But we'll take Oscar Robertson out of the equation. And so let's talk about some of the players that are in the discussion as being the greatest of all time. And uh, one of them, obviously, is Michael Jordan. And a lot of people want to say that Jordan is going to be the greatest of all time because of the competitor that he was, because of the six championships. Uh, Michael Jordan, just by the numbers, played 15 seasons, LeBron James, 20 seasons. So LeBron has played five more seasons. Now, weigh that as you must. You know, maybe you think, well, LeBron's getting these records because of longevity. But then you also have to give him credit for longevity. Uh, LeBron James also didn't leave basketball. He stayed with basketball his entire career. 20 seasons. Uh, LeBron averaged 38.1 minutes a game. Michael Jordan, 38.3 points per game. LeBron at 27.2. Michael finished his career a 30-point-per-game score, 30.1 points per game. Uh, Jordan with 6.2 rebounds, LeBron 7.5, and assist, Michael Jordan 5.3. So for those that think Michael Jordan didn't pass, that's a fallacy. Uh, LeBron James, 7.3 assist. Now, if you add up points, rebounds, and assist, you've got 42.0 for LeBron James. If you add up Michael Jordan's points, rebounds, and assists, and I know this is a very elementary way of doing this, but if you do that, it is 41.6. So LeBron, with the combination of points, rebounds, assists, has 42, and Michael Jordan, 41.6. Does that does that make any argument in the case of who the greatest of all time is? Uh, and now, if we want to also talk about some of the great basketball players of all time, I think one guy who gets underrated quite often is Larry Bird. This guy could do everything on the basketball court. If you look at Larry, you've got uh, 13 seasons, didn't play quite as long, 38.4 minutes a game. He averaged 24.3 points. But this is, of course, again, back... In fact, both Michael and Larry really played more in an era of basketball that there weren't as many three-point shots. But uh, Bird ended up with 24.3 points per game, 10.0 rebounds, 6.3 assists. So for anybody who's defending Larry Bird as an all-time greatest, as far as just talent that played the game, 
I know statistically he's not going to be one of the guys that jumps out there at you, but those three numbers do add up to 40.6. So he's right there on the the verge if you add up those points. But I think the debate usually comes down to Michael and LeBron. And does this change it? Now that LeBron is holding the all-time scoring championship, do you give him more credit? Is he? Does it weight the discussion toward LeBron when you talk about greatest basketball player in the NBA of all time? I certainly think so. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to be like, oh, you have all these points. How dare you play all these years of excellent basketball? Well, and, and the thing is, the record he's breaking is not Michael Jordan's record. No. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course, holds the record. Who is just so happens to be a former Laker, and LeBron is going to b- break the record on the Lakers' home floor wearing a Lakers jersey. Yeah, I wonder if there's any word on if Kareem will be in the building tonight. I uh, don't know. But um, but certainly, I, I'm sure, I wonder what the tickets are going for on StubHub you have to check and see what kind of price. Because, first of all, it is L.A. It is the Lakers, which automatically brings a pretty high ticket price. Yeah, I mean, no matter the opponent, it could be the Thunder like it is, or it could be the... <laughs> well, you can't make fun of the Thunder. They're not They're not a doormat. Yet. They're I really mean, not. They have some good Jay young Gilles players. Jay Alexander is a solid player. He's had yeah. a good year. Is he even play? Is he playing? I, I don't know. I don't know that much about the Thunder. I shouldn't try you to just know. defended them. I should, yeah, I, I should. Yeah, I know. I threw out a name. That I don't even know if he's playing. But uh, but anyway, the... Uh, I really think that the longevity speaks volumes to just how good of a basketball player he is, honestly. So, so you don't think it's... Well, he's accumulated the records because of the longevity. Because, because that's interesting because that's a little bit of a debate that's happening in college basketball right now. Certainly. I just had, I just had somebody when I talked about Jared Godfrey getting 2,000 points in his collegiate career and what... Uh, milestone that is and of course jared is going to be our first guest on the coaches show coming up here at the top of the hour but when i uh when i talked about that over the weekend i actually had somebody say to me well yeah but how many years did he get because of covid (laughs) and i'm like well first of all um the covid year was a very challenging year to be a college athlete because of some of the uh, quarantine rules you had to go through, trying to keep yourself protected, having to wear a mask to go to practice. I mean, come on. Uh, it, it was just a ridiculous year. And so they understood that that shouldn't be one-fourth of your college career is a year where you only played conference games and you had to wear a mask at practice you had to miss like 10 days if you were exposed to somebody who had COVID. Uh, and so they wiped that, you know, and, and basically said, all right, you got through it, but we'll give everybody an extra year because of it. And so, you know, I I understand that, you know, he's got extra games to do it, but it was not a full year, first of all. It, it's not like they got an extra full year of basketball because it was a shortened season. And it was, in some ways, a season from hell for a lot of college basketball players, what they had to deal with behind the scenes. I mean, if anybody on the team basically got COVID, everybody had to quarantine for yeah. like 10 days. It was ridiculous. A lot, uh, lot did, of missed did you, games. Did you get a StubHub price for me? I, I want to know if there, there's a StubHub value on Lakers tickets. We'll get that. First, I oh. wanted to find out if Kareem was going to be in attendance. Oh, and, okay. he, and he does plan to be in attendance for these two home games at the Lakers uh, arena. So, should be there when he beats the record. 
and uh, and of course uh, 36 points. So this would be a record that will not break like early in the game, which will be very interesting how much time they take because they, you know, what if you got like a one point game back and forth, and all of a sudden he hits the record with like a minute left, you know, in a dramatic game. Do you take away the focus of the basketball game and do this big ceremony? Do you wait till the game ends? I mean, obviously, it's probably going to be something where there's a major ceremony at the time that he breaks it. And it may be somewhat quick, but there, I, I would imagine there's some type of video tribute. He's going to be, uh, you know, honored by having a chance to shake hands with Kareem. I would assume that's why Kareem is there. Um, but anyway, it, it's uh, the whole thing. Yeah, it's so... Just, it's just it's it's crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm looking right now at the uh, at the prices. So it looks like they're not really anticipating them to for him to get it tonight. Uh, tickets only starting at 144 dollars, which really? is which is down from 284 last week. Wow. But for against the Bucks, we're starting at 630 dollars, up from 495 last week. And keep in mind that's nose so nosebleeds. Some, yeah. So there are some people forking out. Four figures for tickets against the Bucks, expecting that to be the night, and they're taking the gamble that LeBron James will not score 36. And now here's some of the things to put into perspective. First of all, how much will he play? If the Lakers are winning big, will he sit? And and think of what that will mean to the crowd if the Lakers go up by 20, 25 points. He gets to 28, 29, and then sits the fourth quarter. Or, Ooh. yeah, I know. <laughs> I know there'll be some people that be wanting refunds, uh, but anyway, we'll we'll see what happens. But it's thirty six points away for LeBron James. Indiana Rutgers tonight. That would be the typical Indiana thing to do to follow up the big win over Purdue and lose on their home floor to Rutgers. And and I don't say that lightly because Rutgers is actually a really good basketball team. They've also beaten Purdue. And they know how to win on the road. And they know how to win in some of these hostile environments. And more importantly, they know how to kick Indiana's butt because they've done it, <laughs> what is it, six or seven times? Trace Jackson Davis has never beaten Rutgers in his career. Wow. So tonight, I don't know. I don't know. I want so bad to say Indiana will find the strength. But remember, I've, t I've said before, mm -hmm. I think there's signs of softness on this team. This will be one of those signs where they've got to come back with some toughness because the celebration of beating number one, the celebration of beating Purdue, that's over. you got to put it away. And, and you know, and, and do they? Do they bounce back off that emotional win? We'll see what happens tonight. Indiana, Rutgers, and it is, of course, on our sister station, Big 92.3. We'll take a break. We'll come back one final time. It's a sports rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back. Final time to the sports rush. Your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rupp, Adam Lundy. Just about time to head out. Going to the Holiday in Purdue-Fort Wayne. It is the Mastodon's Coaches Show, live from the Mastodon Grill. Of course, the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, right across the Memorial Coliseum. If you're heading north out of work, maybe out of downtown, heading up Clinton or Coldwater or uh, whatever, the, the North Path, swing on in and see us. It's a great place to grab a bite to eat. You can get a drink at the bar. And if you've never been, and who has a reason, you know, to go to a hotel if you live here in town? Well, wink, wink. Yeah, we know. But if you uh, if you end up coming in for dinner, okay, you, you can actually sit down, watch the show. We'll be there from 6 to 7. Jared Godfrey, 50-year senior who just had his 2,000th point. He's going to join us to lead off the show. We've got men's basketball coach John Kaufman, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano, and men's volleyball. What a wild one they had Saturday night. 
and a big comeback, a huge road win at George Mason. And we'll talk to the coach, Rock Perrott, all coming up 6 to 7 tonight right here on 1380 The Fan. And uh, and that's basically it. The rest of the night, it's Fox Sports Radio. Uh, big thanks to our guests that appeared on the show, Zach Osterman from the Indy Star. He joined us also, Eric Thornton, uh, girls basketball coach at Norwell. And thanks, of course, to Kit Sterling. If I didn't mention it, he's our favorite guest. (laughs) I just got to throw that in. Uh, But Kit joined us earlier this hour. That will do it. We'll be back tomorrow, a hump day edition, live from Christopher James Menswear. We invite everybody from the southwest side of town. In fact, you can come out even if you're not on the southwest side. But stop by. See us between 4 and 6. Adam and I both will be there. We're going to be loaded up with tickets that we'll be giving away. And so you could be a winner uh, at Christopher James Menswear at Covington Plaza on West Jefferson at Getz. We'll be there broadcasting the show tomorrow from 4 to 6. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.